And a very, very good Friday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Friday Live, the uh, August 28th St. Augustine edition. You had to think about that. I get confused. I, figured, I, I was surprised it's already Friday. I, and, and it's the last Friday in August. I know. So you're triply surprised. Right. I, I really literally was saying, is it? How can it be Friday already? I know we wanted to say first Friday in August. At least that's where my my mind is. And of course, the calendar says fall is right around the corner. Although the you don't feel it in the air yet. Not it today. is uh, around the corner. Right. Or at least September is. And we so. weren't here last Friday. It seems like. Uh, well, maybe that's why. <laughs> so everything's everything is askew. <laughs> but anyway, we and have my a- hair too. I went for a walk and got a little sweaty. So I'm very askew. Oh, okay. The word I thought you had gone to the hairdresser, but you just went outside <laughs> no, <it's> and <laughs> perspired a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, watch out for the coyote. I understand there's a coyote on our pro- on our property now. Someone told me there's a coyote roaming around. But the geese uh, are oh. gone. Hey, listen, ro- if the coyote gets rid of the geese, I'm happy. Can they? Well, wouldn't it, they eat the geese? Uh, they probably eat almost anything. We hadn't seen coyotes since Arizona. Arizona, right? So but I did. My sister told me she was driving in the other day, and there was a. There was a strange animal walking out of the driveway, mm. and she th- thought it was a coyote. And she said there are reports of coyotes in New Jersey. I'll have to look that up. New Jersey is an odd place. Did you share with the listeners what we did see on our little? We had to take a little trip to North Jersey, and what ran across the road? No, not a coyote, not a fox, not a not a dog, not a chicken or a cat, <laughs> a black bear. It was a bear, and we both exclaimed, "A bear!" <laughs> That was Quite, yeah, something like that. <laughs> a bear. Ah. That was, uh, that was funny. It was. We have a lovely program lined up for you today. Uh, coming up a little later this hour, Father John Bartonek is going to join us, and he's written a book called 60 Days to Becoming a Missionary Disciple. Uh, we're going to play Name That Catholic Tune. Jim is going to be here with the weather forecast. And next hour, our friend Father Jim Grogan will give a reflection on Sunday's gospel, I believe the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. You are correct. And then also next hour, uh, Frank Cronin uh, has written a book called The World According to God. Well, that's a nice way to look at it. Mm. So he'll be here as well. Plus music and talk and all kinds of stuff. If you are uh, tuned in at uh, 4.03 on this Feast of St. Augustine, August 28th, uh, also coming to you on all of our media platforms as well as our radio stations, uh, if you can watch the program live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Domestic Church Media, and also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Domestic Church Media, and also our homepage is streaming live video at domesticchurchmedia.org. We'll begin our time, as we do each time we gather, uh, by praying our prayer uh, for the United States of America and our other uh, top-of-the-hour prayers. So bring your intentions to us now, to the Lord, and gather with us, and uh, let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Most Holy Trinity, our Father in Heaven, who chose Mary as the fairest of your daughters. Holy Spirit, who chose Mary as your spouse. God the Son, who chose Mary as your mother. In union with Mary, we adore your majesty and acknowledge your supreme, eternal dominion and authority. Most Holy Trinity, we put the United States of America into the hands of Mary Immaculate in order that she may present the country to you. Through her, we wish to thank you for the great resources of this land and for the freedom which has been its heritage. Through the intercession of Mary, have mercy on the Catholic Church in America. Grant us peace 
Have mercy on our president and on all the officers of our government. Grant us a fruitful economy born of justice and charity. Have mercy on capital and industry and labor. Protect the family life of the nation. Guard the precious gift of many religious vocations. Through the intercession of our mother, have mercy on the sick, the tempted, sinners, on all who are in need. Mary, Immaculate Virgin, our mother, patroness of our land, we praise you and honor you and give ourselves to you. Protect us from every harm. Pray for us that acting always according to your will and the will of your divine Son, we may live and die pleasing to God. Amen. And as our Holy Father requested a couple of years ago, we're going to pray our prayers to uh, St. Michael the Archangel and also the Subtum Presidium prayer, the ancient prayer to our Blessed Mother. Holy Father, I ask that we pray these prayers specifically uh, for uh, the intention of protecting the Church from the attacks of the devil. We're also throwing in there to protect the United States of America from the attacks of the devil. Mm -hmm. And uh, we uh, will uh, pray for all of your intentions as well. So we pray St. Michael the Archangel, defend defend us us in battle. Be our protection protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Despise our petitions and our necessities. But deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. St. Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. And today, St. Augustine, pray for us. And yesterday, St. Monica, pray for us. They're a team, you know. Yeah, I know. Father, Father, Son, Son, Holy Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. We have the very... Uh, special honor uh, yesterday, Father Friend Father John Butler came down over our way from uh, his parish, St. Michael's, over in Long Branch, and had Holy Mass for us here in our chapel. And um, he shares such words of wisdom and worldly experience. I I really enjoy hearing him speak. Mm-hmm. But he talked about mother prayer, son, prayer, mm-hmm. persistence, and parent mm-hmm. parenthood. And you could really just keep going. He was he was saying, oh, and there's another P word. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, as he said, persistent mm-hmm. prayer, parenting, mm-hmm. pandemic, right. perseverance, right. patience. It just right. the words just kept popping into my head and we're just praying with all these things in mind. Right. Especially these days, you know, parents who have uh, grown children who have left the church. That's a very mm-hmm. com- most common prayer we, we get. We have been getting for years now. Right. Parents uh, who are. Just heartbroken, their their kids who they put through Catholic schools and raised in the faith, and you know the world takes them out, and, right. uh, and they sadly, walk away from and they it. Walk and away. Just uh, you want to do everything you can to save their soul, but we can only do so much. So there becomes a point where all we can do is pray yeah. and set a good example. Yeah. You know. Well, I was thinking about you know you were talking just before we went on the air about something you saw on Facebook about ancestry and the. The multiplication of family or yes and and i'm not really a numbers person but it, it came across the good old facebook feed and it was just interesting how for us to be right here now living in this moment we have to go back numbers of years on how we even got here so of course we're here because of our two parents and because of 
their parents, so then our four grandparents or our 16 great-grandparents, and exponentially keep multiplying, multiplying. And um, it went back, the little, the little equation went back to about 400 years where you had 4,000 and maybe 92 sets of great, 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 great mm. grandparents, however many greats. Mm-hmm. And for them to live their lives, trials, sufferings, joys, journeys, experiences, which brings us to today. But mm-hmm. all those people were if on there had the been earth. A, been a break in the chain, we wouldn't be here. That's right. One or little... if they knew what was coming, maybe we would. Yeah, possible. <laughs> I remember Mother Angelica said she didn't go back that far. She went back only to her, I guess, her grandparents. And she was telling the story how, I guess, her grandmother was in Italy. Her grandmother was in in her home, little apartment there at the window. And her grandfather was trying to court her mm-hmm. and came by with a, a, a guitar or something and, and began to sing her a song oh. that kind of won her over. And Mother said, that didn't happen. She said, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. <laughs> And it's true, you know, one little break and and absolutely. But right. God's, you know, God's order and the way He ordains it and and brings people together and the, uh, you know, you can go back and back and back and back and back. And I always think about the faith. You know, my family, obviously, we were raised Catholic, and and uh, my father mm-hmm. was raised, my mother raised. They were all so all along the way, all along this chain of of of, of ancestry. The Many faith masses. has been carried over and pulled over and right. passed on, you know, right. as Many we've tried to do with our prayed, kids. Right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see how all in order, you know, God's, God's order works. And I can see then how people get caught up in that Ancestry.com mm-hmm. and the family tree. Well, your sister for one. Yeah. And how the tree needs to be larger and larger and larger to be, like, so huge and full at the top, mm-hmm. you know, to— uh, to create all those different sets of great, great, great grandparents. I know last or two, no, almost two years ago, when our grandson Jack was born, uh, I sent Joseph, our son, because uh, we do have the ancestry. We go back to the mid 1700s. My sister went back to Manfredonia, back Amazing. to the mid 1700s in Italy, and I went back from from Jack to Joseph to me to my father to my grandfather, all the way back to I think to uh, again 17 something. Um, but all the all the Manfredonia, the heirs, the male, the, you yes. know, the firstborn male yeah. heir <laughs> along the way, or you know, the, so Jack would be the, if we were a royal family, he'd be he'd be a prince. <laughs> but we're not. <laughs> no, Let's we're not. Make no mistake about <laughs> That's that. That's right. No, we're not. No, only only one royal family in there in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, interesting to see that and to think. Because now we have a second grandson on the way. So I know. But he wouldn't be the heir. We got to pray well. Probably one of them become a priest. Just keep praying. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a blessing? <laughs> one of them. We one came them. close with Anthony. Came very, Anthony, very close. Anthony discerned. You know, he did discern. But, but he's, he's working for the church. Yeah, he's you know. doing beautiful things and has a lovely wife. And they're living the faith. And, you know, for young people to be on fire for the faith as they are, it's, it's a wonderful thing. It's a rare thing, sadly. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully they can... Witness and set an example for somebody. Right. Well, why don't we take a break, and then we'll get uh, our friend Father John Bartonek on the line with us and talk about his uh, new book called 60 Days to Becoming a Missionary Disciple. And I want to remind our friends who watch on Facebook that during the musical breaks, uh, there's silence because Facebook doesn't let us play music. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to off. sing. That That's the point. Yeah, you, you have to know. sing something, so, anything. Uh, yeah. Just, just bear with us. We're, 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 we'll come <laughs> Working back. Working on that. Uh, so don't you go away, my friends. There is more to come on Friday Live. 
Welcome back, friends. Um, we want to welcome you again to the Friday program. Thanks for being here. Father John Bartunik comes from an evangelical Christian background and became a member of the Catholic Church in 1991. He was ordained a Catholic priest in 2003 and earned his doctorate in moral theology in 2010. Uh, he provided spiritual support on the set of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. He's the author of several books, and his most recent is titled 60 Days to becoming a missionary disciple. And we want to welcome to the program Father John Bartunik. Father, welcome. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great to have you here. 60 Days to Becoming a Missionary Disciple. It's an interesting book because it's kind of a a 60-day self-retreat, if you want to make it that, isn't it? Yeah, it's designed to be super practical. So the chapters are not too long, but they're packed with a lot of substance. But you can take one chapter a day for a couple months. You could do it as a group, too. Actually, each chapter has some questions that you can discuss. Uh, at the end of each chapter, and you can do it as a group with your spouse, even. But the idea is, yeah, to take some take some time, not rush, and just get a review, kind of a full panorama of the landscape of what it means to be a complete Christian. Well, when we hear the term missionary disciple, um, not so much now as it had been in the past, but that was kind of a foreign. Uh, term to Catholics to be missionary, to be, you know, to, we always think of other uh, denominations that would do that. But this is something that's so important these days, Father. Why is that? Well, the world is definitely changing. I mean, in the sense that we, we basically, I mean, it's no, it's no mystery, right? We live in a post-Christian culture, really. Um, what are, what are com- the most common values really are, they don't, they don't really reflect a, a Christian worldview anymore. So this aspect of our identity as Christians which has always been there. It's not really new for us as Catholics, but it's always been there. But we need to kind of rediscover it, this aspect that I'm not only called to be a follower of Christ, that's the discipleship, to get to know him, to spend tons of time with him, to learn how he thinks, to absorb that, to share his love. But I'm also, as soon as I become his follower, I'm also called to help with his great task of building up his kingdom. I'm sent out as a missionary. That's what the word missionary comes from, missio, from Latin, to be sent like a missile. So I'm sent out, and we're all called, we're all sent in our own spheres of influence and our own unique ways to help build up Christ's kingdom. So I think it's more important than ever that we rediscover this essential dimension of our Christian identity. And Father, wouldn't you, uh, couldn't we parallel this with if we have some great news or, or joy or experiences that took place 
in our life or with our family or even if we, we received beautiful gifts, don't we want to share them with our friends and our neighbors? You know, aren't we quick to call someone or run next door and say, you never believe just what happened or I just got all this. Let me share this with you. What, why do we yeah. hesitate to do that with our faith? Yeah, that's a great question. So that's actually, you're kind of touching the very core of this term evangelization, and you know, which has been used in under the recent popes, the new evangelization. We're called to renew our... Evangelization, the root word of that, the root words in the Greek are evangelio, right? So that the good news, we've actually received good news. So yeah, we want to share it with everybody. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is going to help you. So I think one of the reasons that, um, you know, kind of that fire to share the good news has waned is because our discipleship has become kind of routine and flat. Kind of, I'm checking things off the box, but I'm not really having a, a, an encounter with Christ that is the encounter with a real person. So that's where the discipleship part comes in. You know, so in this book, we've got 60 little chapters, 60 days. So the first 30 are really dedicated to that discipleship, to, to learning how I can continue to have fresh encounters with God so that my experience of the good news then will overflow. And then how can I share that with others? That's the second uh, 30 days of the 60, and that's being the missionary. So refreshing that experience of God is the real key, I think. We're talking with Father John Bartunik, and the book is called 60 Days to Becoming a Missionary Disciple, published by Sophia Institute Press. Their website is sophiainstitute.com. Uh, and as you say, Father, this is a 60-day, could be a self-retreat, could be done in groups as well. How important is it now, especially over the past number of months, where our even our, our mass attendance has been f- so uh, f- much affected by the pandemic, and we're almost feeling cut off in many ways from what was a normal parish life, parish way of life. How important is this now, you think, to to our fellow Christians and Catholics? Well, I think it's, and I think in a sense, uh, what's happened over the last months in our country and in the world really has, you know, from if you try to view it from the point of view of God's providence, it really could be a wake-up call, right? Kind of a a crisis that exposes maybe some of our uncertainties, and that also exposes as a culture some of uh, you know where some, I guess some of the, some of the breaks in our culture. So anytime you have a crisis, it's a great opportunity. So I think more than you know, as we as we kind of are facing these new challenges and realizing, kind of being woken up maybe from I mean in the, in a in a good sense, right? <laughs> to be woken up, to be startled, and say, hey. You know, what's really going on and how am I living? Am I really pursuing the sanctity that I'm called to live or have I just been kind of maybe going through the motions? So in, in response to that, if it, is, if it is, you know, God in his providence allowing this to happen, mm. then we each have kind of a responsibility. How am I going to respond to this? It's like an opportunity. Okay, well, I'm going to make a fresh start. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, I'm going to take a step forward, no matter how small, along the path of sanctity. I'm going to bring some others with me. So I, I think it's critical, and I think it's almost like there, there may be special graces in the air, so to speak, to help us uh, respond with generosity to this new opportunity. Yes, I, I think the book is just perfect timing because there's fresh starts in every walk of life right now. How am I going to go to school? How am I going to work from mm-hmm. home? How am I going to figure out? Everyone's thinking outside the box, if I could coin that phrase, and um, kind of recreate ways of doing things. And we've kind of been disconnected, even physically, from our churches. Um, maybe we've been able to tune in online or watch the live stream. Some of us are allowed to go back to church. Some are still fearful and being very cautious. But now's the time 
to set, you know, reset the refresh button and say, okay, tomorrow's a, I'm going to start and I've, I've got to jump in the deep end and do more because maybe I've gotten a little bit lax. A friend of mine was saying when the pandemic first hit and we were closed off, from the churches. She goes, I was praying two, three hours a day. And after a while, I, I kind of just eased up a bit. And she goes, I've got to get back to that. Because one thing she was experiencing, um, so much peace in the beginning, amid all the tumult and the strife, she was feeling so much peace because she was praying so much. But she kind of let that go. And she goes, now I'm starting to get stressful and anxious. Yeah, I think a lot of people could probably relate to that. Uh, you know, the, the immediate shock of the, of the change uh, did, did kind of stimulate us in a certain way. So, right. so then the question becomes, uh, you know, maybe it's not so much I need to do more mm. or I need to do different things, but maybe it's I, I need to do what I'm doing differently mm. uh, and to do it more united to Christ, with Christ, to find him acting within, mm-hmm. uh, within my life, within my circumstances, and to be, you know, to, to learn to really distinguish that. Uh, and so I think that's why, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping about for this book of the 60 days to becoming a missionary disciple is that it helps people kind of take, um, you know, get an x-ray. It's almost like, you know, you go for your yearly physical and you, you check all your vital signs, you check all the things and you see, hey, wait a minute, there, this might need a little more attention or you're in good shape. Well, the 60 days kind of takes a panoramic view of our lives as, as followers of Christ mm-hmm. and identifies some of the key things that are always present, though in different ways in different people's lives, and helps you reflect on how you're doing there and, and where God is maybe calling you to, to invest a little bit more, to make some changes. So that's why I think it's important to start and finish. You know, you're saying not just uh, have a, a moment of you know, renewed passion, but to, to really kind of make a plan, to understand all the different things that, that are within my grasp as means to continue forward in this great adventure of following Christ. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Father John Bartunic, 60 Days to Becoming a Missionary Disciple is the book published by Sophia Institute Press, sophiainstitute.com. Father, uh, our listeners uh, maybe tuned in now and they're thinking, you know, that sounds like it might be something more for uh, people on a higher spiritual level, but this book is really for any Catholic, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, one of the, I'm glad you brought that up, because it can be intimidating. You think, well, I could never do a 60-day retreat, you know. Uh, but one of the one of the things I've, that's really been on my heart, I think the Lord's put it on my heart over the years, is this conviction that all of the, the deepest truths of our theology as Catholics ought to be able to be expressed in simple language, because every one of us is called to live them every one of us is called to holiness. So although the, you know, the different chapters and the different themes here, that I do deal with the substance of what God has revealed to us about these things, I really try to do it in language that's very real, kind of very practical. Uh, and the reaction of people who've used it, who've begun to read it or started to use it, has been very positive. So I think it can be really useful for every single one of us, except, you know, if you don't believe that that you're called to actually be a follower of Christ, well, then this isn't going to really interest you. Mm. But if you believe that you are and you want to keep going, this is going to be a help no matter what. And how important, Father, is witnessing in your just daily life uh, in, as far as evangelization goes and even being a, a disciple? Yeah, that's one of the key forms, right? Everything we do can actually be uh, a reflection of God's goodness and the way we do it, how we do it. Uh, and that's one of the themes I go into in the second half of the book. Um, you know, just in the way that we do things, uh, 
we can manifest uh, God's goodness. And when we manifest God's goodness, people who are searching for true meaning in life, even if they don't know that they're searching, can encounter it more easily, right? So, so just the witness that we give sometimes just by the way we do things uh, can do even more than, than the witness that we give when we speak about the truths of the faith. But we also need to be ready to do that, right? And then when we actually take actions to, to transform society or to reach out to new people or to serve new people. So those three, I call them the three W's in the book, the way we do things, the words that we speak, and the works that we undertake, those are three ways that we can witness. You know, the, the, the Greek word for witness is martyr. And we're all called in that sense, in a sense, to be, to be martyrs, to be witnesses. But the great news about that is when, when, it, when it really flows from our real encounter with God, then it becomes a joyful task, not a burden that I'm worried about, you know, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do that? No, it becomes something that, that, that kind of overflows almost spontaneously. Yeah, it sounds like the book is, is going to equip you that it becomes a, a natural thing, not that you have to really work at it. Yeah, I think it's, it, it gives you the tools. Mm-hmm. Now it can't make you it can't make you practice with the tools that has to be your decision yeah. but it definitely equips you with the tools that you know kind of the tried and true tools the tools that have been used by our older brothers and sisters through the centuries in every walk of life in every state of life to continue to 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 explore and discover what it means to be a missionary disciple of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ Again, friends, we've been talking with Father John Bartunik. The book is called 60 Days to Becoming a Missionary Disciple. It's published by Sophia Institute Press, and their website is sophiainstitute.com. Uh, certainly, I think in these days of, of still semi-lockdown, people are mm-hmm. alone, home, doing, or just at home looking for things to do. You know, get away from the TV, the news, all the things that are bringing you down, and really delve into your faith and your spirituality. And here's a great resource for that, 60 Days to becoming a missionary disciple, Father John Bartunik. Father, uh, I, I think I read somewhere also, you, you uh, can pe- people find out more about you on a, at a particular website? And, and yeah, we've got, we do a lot of uh, online resources, even some do-it-yourself retreats at rcspirituality.org. We've got video and audio there, plus the other books uh, too. So rcspirituality.org. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much, Father, for being with us today, for writing the book, and we'll look forward to talking with you again in the next book. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Keep up the great work, and God bless you. Thank you. Thank God you bless so you. much. God bless you. All right, friends, and you stay where you are. There is more to come on Friday Live. We'll be back with Jim's Weather.
church with broken wings Fill this place with songs again Of our God who reigns on high By His grace again we'll fly God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's headed our way as Jim gives us the weather. All righty, that means it's time for Domestic Church Media Meteorologist, Chief Meteorologist, Jim Hoffman. Hey, the Jim. The one and only. Hey, that's a beautiful song, isn't it? Never gets old. Never I gets love old. it. I'm, I'm ready to start waving my hands. You know, I used to sing that in the... Um, my elementary school. Oh, wait, school. I, was, I, was talking to, I was talking about my jingle. <laughs> oh, your jingle? <laughs> okay. Oh, Jim's taking witty pills today. <laughs> oh, Jim. Oh, good for fun. you. Good for you. It's always a joy to hear your No, that was, that's a good song, too. I like okay. that song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're gonna have to, do you have, we never really sent you a copy of your, your own jingle. You could play it in your car anytime you wanted to. We probably that's should right. send you an MP3. You could just and play roll it. the windows down. And well, that's you, me. Right? Oh, you know what? I um, see. I whenever I go for my bike ride, I listen to to music. Yeah, maybe. and I just have my my iPhone play music randomly, mm-hmm. and every once in a while, the jingle comes up. So I have it on my iPhone. Oh, you That's do? Fabulous. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Good for you. Good for you. So are you are you at yeah. the uh, home base? You're at the uh, satellite uh, office. The, the satellite office been heading back to the home base oh, tonight because yes. the weekend isn't eh, Saturday supposed to be a little iffy, mm. um, but Sunday should be nice. So half half a weekend. Right. But you know the um, what's been bad here the last couple of days. Whenever you get a west wind um, here at the beach, Bzz. you get flies on the beach. <laughs> yeah. And oh gosh, it was terrible the last couple of days. Um, it, you know, beautiful, sunny day. The water is really nice, but the beach is like a, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Hardly anyone on the beach. Yeah, <laughs> just right. on flies. Because down there, there's those nasty green greenheads, right? Is that what they call them? Greenheads? Hmm. Right. Yeah. The west wind blows them in from the marshes on the mainland. Uh. And they seem to, you know, if you go to the bay, the bay side, yeah. it's not bad at all. Really? But they seem to like the beach. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I told my I told my daughter the best way to I told my daughter the best way way to get rid of them yeah. 
is you ask them for their beach badges, and you know <laughs> they don't have them. You pick them yeah. off the beach. <laughs> are, are they wearing? Are they wearing masks? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they certainly aren't practicing social distancing. There you go. Sure. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> oh, so yeah, you mentioned now the weekend, and I think that uh, that uh, storm Laura is on her way. Is that right? Yeah, it's true. It's going to pass just to the south of us. Uh, it's not going to be that much of an issue. I know we just had that uh, tropical storm uh, a few weeks ago. It's, it's nowhere near the impact that that tropical storm had. Um, so we should start feeling that early morning Saturday and showers and thunderstorms throughout the day and then into the evening. But I tell you, when that storm came ashore, it came ashore as a Category 4 hurricane. Now, Category 4 hurricane is defined as a storm having sustained winds of 131 to 155 miles per hour. Wow, wow. And that that storm came ashore, Laura came ashore at 1 o'clock in the morning. Can you imagine it's pitch dark, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning Yikes. with 150-mile-per-hour sustained winds in Cameron, Louisiana, Thursday morning, right. yesterday morning. Yeah. And the storm surge wasn't as bad. They were calling for a 15- to 20-foot storm surge. It was only nine, but nine is still pretty significant. Yeah. You certainly don't want to be in the way of a nine-foot storm surge. And I I was just looking at some of the pictures of the damage. It's just incredible what uh, nature can do and the havoc it can cause in, in, in the areas just along the shore. It's yeah. just incredible. We found that out a few years so ago, anyway. right, with, with the Sandy, same thing. Yeah. Sandy was probably yep. more than the cat. What, what was Sandy, Category 5? Was it a four? No, that? I'd have to. I think it was. Um, I'm not sure. It I'd was have bad. to check into that. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it, it, it was bad because it, you know, it took a left turn, um, and then it headed right into the coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's going to bring uh, some rain tomorrow. What about the rest of the weekend and looking ahead to next week? I'm sorry, it was a Category Three. Oh, oh, it was. <laughs> oh, wow. So this was yeah, stronger than Sandy. Three. Yes. Oh, yes, wow. it was. Okay. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, let's get to the weekend. So uh, tonight, mostly cloudy as the clouds start moving in from what's left of Laura. It's actually a tropical depression right now, uh, low around 70. Saturday showers and thunderstorms likely starting, in, as I said, in the early morning. Uh, we'll have cloudy skies all throughout the day, high of 83. And then those showers will continue mainly into the evening. We'll have a low Saturday night of 65 degrees. Sunday will be sunny with a high near 80. Sunday night, mostly clear, low around 60. And then Monday, first day of the work week, mostly sunny with a high near 80. And then just to start off, um, you know, looking into the early next week, Tuesday, we're going to have highs near 80. And then as we get further along in the week, we're going to uh, move up to the mid and upper 80s with chances of showers and thunderstorms starting Tuesday into Wednesday. But um, overall, this weekend, half and half, Saturday is going to be Cloudy, rainy, and then Sunday's going to be very nice. And next next week, we see September, don't mm. we? Unbelievable. Yes. Wow. I don't know how it got here. So Can't believe it. Time flies. Hey, you know what the next named storm is? I know what it is. Named? Yeah, the next, like, oh, this is Laura. Yeah, the um, next... Oh, it begins with an I? Just begins with an I? No. <laughs> no. The next named storm, when it comes, is Nana. Which is what our grandchildren call Cheryl. Nana. Nana. Storm Nana. <laughs> well, it'll be a gentle oh, okay. one. So, oh. Hopefully a gentle one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there are actually a couple of tropical disturbances that are out in the Atlantic 
um, waiting to become Nana. So, when, <laughs> so well, maybe we'll see at, what happens at, over the next few days. At what point do they name these storms? It has to be a certain strength. Uh, once they get to the tropical storm level, oh, okay. then they start to name them. Okay. So next Silly. one is Nana. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, Jim, uh, yeah. thank you as always for all your good work here. And I guess uh, we'll see you in September. See you. <laughs> all right. Talk to you then. God bless you. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Yeah. Bye. Bye. God bless you. God gave us night and day so we could play and pray together. So now let's see what's heading our way as Jim gives us the weather. Time to name that Catholic tune America's favorite game show. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not all of America's favorite games. Well, maybe just here in the Trenton area or New Jersey, Pennsylvania. No, actually, we're going around the world now, so it's like the globe. The the, it's internationally uh, popular. Well, maybe I should start doing like multicultural uh, hymn tunes. You know, like a German one and something from Holland. Actually, this kind of comes from Holland. Oh, what a oh, great, that was a clue. Okay, so there, that's segue. part. That's part of the game. Cheryl's going to give uh, interesting facts about today's Catholic tune. More than a tune, a hymn. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, and uh, she'll give all the clues. Then she's going to go over to the. Are you using, using the uh, Steinway? I used the, the piano today. Okay, I'm the nine foot person. the nine foot Steinway that we wheeled into the state into the studio. I wish. And uh, she'll play a little a little snippet of that on the keyboard, and then uh, you can call 609-493-8255. That's 609-493-8255. But wait until she plays the little bit of the. Today's uh, Catholic tune. So today's uh, hymn does have some ancestry in Holland, as we're talking about the mathematics of ancestry. He um, was born in Holland, but then moved to America shortly after and really lived in the United States. I think he went to school at the Conservatory of Cincinnati. Um, for almost all of the 1900s, he lived a nice, long, healthy life, 1916 to 1997. And this gentleman actually was uh, one of the first primary um, founders of hymnals and publishing sacred music post-Vatican II when they started putting English hymnals in the pew. If you're familiar with the World Library Publishers, remember them? WLP, Mm -hmm. World Library Publications. Mm -hmm. This composer actually founded World Library in 1957, the year I was born. Wow, you just gave away your age. That's right, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) My life is an open book. Anyway, this is an English version. He really uh, didn't compose the text. He translated the text mm-hmm. from an early 9th century chant, all right? But he kept the form of chant, uh-huh. so it's not a metrical hymn. And um, it's the English version of what was a Latin uh, translation of John 13, where he talks about giving us a new commandment ah. to love one another. Uh-huh. We might hear some settings of this text on Holy Thursday. 
But this one, I feel like it's in all the hymnals out there. It's a real tried and true, maybe published in 1960. So it's been around. It's been all in all the books. And we're trying to be loving to one another. All, all right. right. All right. 609-493-8255. That's the number you'll call. 609-493-8255. And Cheryl's going to play a little bit on the nine-foot Steinway Not that we've quite, wheeled in. But here you go. Well, there it's ready. They can use their imagination. <laughs> Ooh, 609-493-8255. 609-493-8255. Let's play it again, waiting for a contestant to call in. Okay, and remember, it's very chant-like. We're we're not uh, tapping our foot to any rhythmic pattern. There's six verses, actually, and it's beautiful, talking about uh, God's commandment for us to love one another. All right, we have a contestant. Hi, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Um, this is Arlene Eckel. From oh, hi, Arlene. How are you? Hello, Arlene. <laughs> hi, how are you? Actually, you're... I'm calling for Pete. Oh, you're oh, calling for Pete. Okay. You're speaking on yeah, his behalf. He's, he's sitting here and he said, oh, I know what it is. It's where charity and love prevail. I had no idea. <laughs> Charity and love prevail. That's right. So Pete was right. So why wouldn't he call in then? Is um, it chicken? Because he's sitting across the couch from me. Oh, and he just I didn't see. want to reach for the phone. I well, see. then, no prize for him, but I'll send you something. <laughs> <laughs> Where charity and love prevail. That Absolutely. is today's Catholic tune. Very yeah, good. Yeah, he, rec- he recognized that right away. Oh, I knew that. I knew the tune, but I couldn't think of the name of it. Ah. Isn't it beautiful? There's something like a simplistic beauty about those chants. They're just so pure. And uh, we can sing them and just concentrate on the text, and it just kind of rolls mm-hmm. out without getting caught up in, you know, rhythm and, and hard harmonies or anything. Absolutely. Well, you are today's okay. winner, Arlene. And, and, and we, can you tell that we like to listen I, for we this can tell game? That, <laughs> we can tell that, sure. <laughs> I said it's America's most popular game show. So see or you. at least in, I uh, tell you. Yeah, in, at least in, in Catholic circles it is. That's yeah. right, yeah, there you go. That's, that's right. right. Well, you know your hymn tunes, is so that that's thunder? beautiful. Yeah, did you hear that thunder by you? Is that, by, is that coming? Is that, do you have thunder at your house there, or is that here? Um, <laughs> we just had a big thunder I don't thunder know what clap. that was. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it was thunder by us, but oh, the uh, sky is pretty dark. So. Okay, so we're going to get some of those storms. We better, we better call it's Jim. from the west. That's right. Yeah. We'll call Jim the weatherman right back and say, hey, what's going on out there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arlene. Well, you and Pete have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for playing along. And we'll get We'll get a special prize out to you. So enjoy okay, the weekend. thanks so much. God bless you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Take care God now. Bless you too. Thanks. Good Bye-bye. to talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and here is today's Catholic Tune.
All right. Well, there you go. What, do you hear the rain? Now, is, would that go over the air? No, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it just sounds like it's, it's really... Big, big thunder clap out there. Yeah, really coming down out there. So if you're out in your car, be pull careful. over, drive safely. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations to Pete and Arlene, the yes. team, who got yes. the today's... Our number one game show fans. <laughs> That's right. Well, they're champs. They're champions. <laughs> That's, I think they are. We need and to have like the champion playoff. We'll have or to something. have the runoff. Yeah, we'll have to have the special <laughs> edition of Name That Catholic Tune. Yes. Uh, it is raining outside, isn't it? Yeah. I'm here to do my headset. We don't have any like, leaks, do we? In we thing? have a brand new roof that we put on last oh, that's September. Right. There's no uh, leaks in this building. We're in good shape. Thanks then. be to God. Remember that? <laughs> we, it was, okay, I, and there, too. I can't. That was last September we had the roof replaced. I know. And that's it's already it September again. It seems like again. just like a couple of months ago. I think we've all been in this 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 pandemic time warp. It's a it's a time warp. I think it was Joseph, our our oldest son, who said we're going to come out of this on the other side, and just time warped a year. Right. Uh, you know, it's just so. Uh, it's a distorted sense of time. It is very very much so. Just got But we're praying praying it away. We're praying for our country. By the way, friends, if you haven't. Requested yes, yet? Talk about the cards your, because they're going fast. I know, now. I know. Yeah. So our special prayer, we're sending it to you for free. It's the prayer for the United States of America, praying to the Most Holy Trinity through the intercession of Blessed Mother under the title of the Immaculate Conception, uh, as a patroness of our country. All you have to do is go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and up on top where it says prayer, just place your cursor over that little menu drops down. Click on prayer for the United States. And tell us your name and address and how many you want, and we will get them out to you. It's a beautiful card. If you're watching on uh, one of our video platforms, there I'm holding it up to the camera. Uh, our uh, Emily did a beautiful job in uh, creating this for us. It's a four by six postcard with the prayer on it, and uh, we encourage you to request as many as you like and pass them out and pray. We're getting requests from all over the country, uh, various That's states, and uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So people are praying, and our country needs prayer. You know, we have to go back to. God and we, as our, you know, our, our even our currency says, in God we trust, not men, but in God we trust, and we place our country in uh, Our Lady's hands as she presents it to the Most Holy Trinity. That's what this prayer prays, and we invite you to pray it along with brothers and sisters who are praying it all over the place now that we have sending so, thousands of them being sent out. I, I ordered five thousand of them, uh, and uh, they're going. So, get them. Uh, just go to our website, domestic churchmedia.org and up on top of the homepage it says a, one of the options is for prayer just place your cursor over the word prayer a little menu drops down uh, click on prayer for the United States and uh, give us your name your address and tell us how many you want and we'll get them out to you and pray it pray it and, and pass it around I know you said they're being passed or no Bruce was telling us Yes. Yeah, the other day, yesterday, in that they're being passed several around area parishes. up there, yeah, yeah. In, in the Hunterdon County, and uh, right now, do, if I have one moment, I can tell you about something talking about praying for our country, and we're going to include this. Mm-hmm. Um, they might actually put it in our bulletin, good, so people can cut it out and and, good. and keep it. But what we're going to have at St. Magdalene's in Flemington, New Jersey. On uh, September 3rd, which is the first Thursday in September, next which week. is next Thursday. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, and not even a week away. Right. So on September 3rd at 7 p.m., uh, we're going to have a holy hour for our country. So much to pray for. Pray away the pandemic. Um, pray for our leaders in government offices. Uh, pray for all those 
to vote honestly and fairly and and all that good stuff and um, for our country to have peace and unity. So September 3rd, it's next Thursday, 7 p.m., St. Magdalene's in Flemington. Uh, it will be before the Blessed Sacrament, so we have exposition and benediction. We'll pray the rosary. Uh, there will be music. We're going to pray a litany and prayers of reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus mm. because this is right before First Friday. Mm -hmm. Sacred Heart of Jesus, um, a homily by uh, our deacon Mike. He's the chaplain of our military ministry. And so I know we have to cut to a break, mm -hmm. but uh, so come or if you have any questions, give me a call here. Alrighty, and uh, we're going to take a little break. And if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, our homepage, we cut away for about five minutes there, but we're going to come back on at five o'clock on the video platforms. But stay with us, friends. Another big hour of Friday Live coming up. Don't go away. Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is, 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go to goodshop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit goodshop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's goodshop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. Goodshop.com. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Sister Ann Shields speaking to you from Food for the Journey, a program that is heard on domestic church radio Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. I want to encourage you to listen to that program, not because I'm doing it, but because I speak of the scripture readings for the day, and the Word of God is what gives us life. Brothers and sisters, here is Mother Angelica speaking about Catholic radio. There's six billion people, and we got to reach them all. It's people like you, radio stations like your own. And I hope sincerely that people will support you because we need Catholic radio. We need Catholic television. And if we don't have it, we shall answer to God for that because we are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. We're bound by that. Won't you help us spread the good word by praying for us and by making a tax-deductible gift payable to Domestic Church Media. 
P.O. Box 7509, Trenton, 08628. Or by going to our website, wfjs.org, and making a secure online donation using your Visa or MasterCard. Please contact us today. God love you. We need Catholic Radio. We are bound by our baptism to spread the good word. Our family had been going through crisis. Little by little, we just found ourselves drifting completely away. I was afraid to go back. I mean, I cried the first time I received the sacraments again. Cried because I was back and because I had allowed God to become a part of me again. It's united our family. There's peace in our home that we didn't have before. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. 60 Seconds with Mother Angelica. Do not let your heart be troubled. Is your heart troubled? Well, what about? Well, I have a, my children are not in the church. We've had tragedy after tragedy in our family. This one is a born loser, never been successful in his life. This one has terrible pain. All that. So who knows Jesus? And yet our dear Lord looks at us with great love as only a friend can, a real friend, and, and say, don't let your hearts be troubled. And I want you to, to think of that. He's saying, don't let it. Ah, oh, now, that means you can do something about it, doesn't it, huh? He doesn't say, I'm going to help you not to let your hearts be troubled. No, he said, you don't let it trouble you. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Hi, I'm Mike Walsh, co-host of Talking Catholic. Every week, our show will bring you in-depth interviews with the hardworking people doing the Lord's work in parishes, schools, and ministries. Our increasingly secularized world often makes it easy to forget that we are surrounded by wonderful workers in the vineyard. On Talking Catholic, we will bring you their perspectives on how we can better serve God and our neighbors. Tune in to Talking Catholic on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Mondays at 4 p.m. This is WFJS 1260 AM Trenton, WFJS 89.3 FM Freehold, WGYM 1580 AM Hamilton, and WSMJ 91.9 FM North Wildwood, Cape May. Communicating hope on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. back, friends. Another hour of Friday Live on this stormy, stormy Friday afternoon here in the Trenton area anyway. I don't know about the rest of the uh, state. but That's right. If you're in Ewing or Trenton. <laughs> you just peeked outside. You said it was like uh, nighttime. Yeah, it's pitch black and you wow. can't see through the raindrops. So hmm. hopefully you're not driving. So this might be part of that Laura storm. I guess the remnants, at least the outskirts. Huh. Just a good I hear solid... the thunder in my headset here. I know, I know. <laughs> days like this though uh so this hour of course we're going to have our gospel reading and our reflection this week is by our friend father jim grogan uh later on this hour frank cronin will join us and he's written a book called the world according to god 
So we'll have Mr. Cronin join us as well, music and uh, other things. Uh, but we will begin, I guess, with our gospel reading for the 22nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer greatly from the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. God forbid, Lord, no such thing shall ever happen to you. He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in his Father's glory, and then he will repay all according to his conduct. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to, to you, you Lord, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Last week, we heard Jesus ask Peter and the other disciples, Who do you say that I am? Beyond the words of any answer, Peter and each of us answer this question with how we live and what we say and do. Today, Peter reveals his humanity. Plain and simple, Peter is a good man, a devoted follower, and convinced that Jesus is the Son of God. In that way, we should all strive to be like Peter, at a deep emotional and spiritual level. Peter believes everything that Jesus teaches. At an equally deep human level, Peter wants to protect Jesus. Jesus is too important, too special, too necessary in Peter's belief system for him to ever contemplate Jesus suffering and dying. He simply can't wrap his mind around that. And so he takes his friend, the Son of God, aside and tells him that he, Peter, won't allow anyone to torture him, cause him suffering, or kill him. Peter just cannot permit his friend to be hurt. We have to admire Peter's determination, even if his understanding of Jesus is flawed. That is why Jesus admonishes him, you are thinking in human terms, and we do, too. In his response, deeply rooted in human love, Peter forgets one thing. Jesus is God, and Peter, like each of us, must let God be God. What does that look like for you and I, to let God be God? Let me suggest this. To truly let God be God, we must become his hands, his feet, his eyes and ears on earth, as St. Teresa said. We must become the collaborators in his creation, which continues to unfold in the world even today. We need to trust God's power and his plan so deeply that we set aside doubts. God has not revealed his whole plan of salvation history to mankind yet, but he guides us through the Gospels to live and to love without selfishness. When Jesus invites us to take up our cross and follow him, 
we need to remember that our cross is not as heavy as his, and that every ounce of the weight of our cross was also carried by Jesus. We never carry it alone, but always with his strength accompanying our effort. Peter did not realize this fact. He did not want God to get hurt. He and we came to realize that God did not diminish or get hurt by the suffering of the cross, but rather Jesus completed his teaching through the cross. He was finished with words and could only teach us the perfection of love with his total commitment of love, which is his cross, which always contains our crosses. When we lose our life, in the sense that we control our life, we unite our earthly hopes and dreams in the embrace of Jesus, his same embrace which helps us carry our crosses. We need to let God be God, and we need to let ourselves be true disciples, allowing God to give us our crosses and to welcome God's strength and tenderness as he helps us to carry them every moment of every day. Let's thank God for his strength, and for our gentle burdens.
Well, welcome back. Glorious Day by the group who call themselves Passion. And they have passion for our Lord. Is that a popular group? Among passion. those who know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Christian groups, Catholic, they're Catholic. True. But I don't, I don't really listen to a lot of that, you know. Now, I mentioned that we had a coyote. Someone said, my sister said, yes. may have been. She sent me a thing. She says she's been researching that strange animal that she saw. <laughs> Could be a coyote or a fox with a disease called mange. Like so a mange. So, that so the, the tail looks. Looks not furry. <laughs> no fur, no fur on the fluffy. tail. Um, Not like I know seen, we have foxes around, you know. Right. Here we've seen the foxes. They, they one time was just laying out in the driveway, just taking I know, a sunbed. just sunning himself. <laughs> but I thought, are they not nocturnal? No. I think they are, but they—it's not—it's not, a, it's not un, that unusual if they come out during the day. If they're hun- you know, hungry right. or looking for food, mm. or looking to terrorize radio personalities. <laughs> <laughs> Like the geese. Like the geese. Remember those he was geese? a real anti-Catholic, wasn't he? No, the, you would go out to go to your car, and he'd come chasing. Oh, and it would get on the car and start hitting the car with its beak. Yeah. When you're in the car, he was for, the male was the aggressor because it would protect the, the female and, and the egg. They had the eggs in the nest. One egg. By. One big goose egg it was. That would have made a nice big omelet, right? <laughs> it may have because um, I called the township. You know, mm-hmm. when we had that goose egg, and and thing was, it nested right next to the front door, so you, you couldn't could, get it. You could go into the building, and the and the mail would come in, its wings would go out, and but um, I called the township, and they said that the Canadian goose is a protected species. There's got to be eighty five million of them around. Why are they, why are they protected? <laughs> you know, what's one goose? Anyway, so they said it could be. You could move the egg. But it could only be moved 20 feet from where it was so the mother could still find it. Oh. Now, I didn't move it. I called a, a goose mover. <laughs> goose movers are the, us. The goose I've mover. seen those trucks. Yeah, there's a lot of them. But, I mean, you can't touch it with human hands. They would have to use some kind I, of... Well, what, I think what they did was they moved the egg 20 feet as, you know... Per regulation. Yeah, per regulation. <laughs> And the mother goose couldn't find it. I would like walk around and look at it, and it didn't find the egg. Is that what it sounded like? Yeah. And then the next day I came back, 
and everything was gone. The, the egg was gone. There was no geese. I don't know if the goose mover came back and really moved the goose <laughs> somewhere oh or was preparing a nice dinner. If you can have mm. Canadian geese, I don't know. But there was nothing. And then the next the year after that, because in the spring, they come. They land in our field out here. I don't yeah. mind if they're out by the towers. Cause oh, yeah. But when they land in the driving area, you know, the parking lot area, and it would, it would like they'd land in pairs because they, they pair off. You know, they land yes. in pairs. And it was, you could see them walking around searching for like a, a nesting a place. Yeah. And with all the fields, I mean, they have a few acres to choose from. Why do they have to choose right in front well, of the Well, they don't enter? come here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Did you take care of that, Jim? I, I would chase them with my car. <laughs> I wouldn't hurt them. I really, I, I wouldn't hurt them. Yeah. But when I saw the goose and I would get in my car and I started beeping the horn and go at it and it would start to and start to right. fly away. Yeah. And they both would fly away. And if they came back, I'd do the same thing. And they eventually, they the past, I'm going to say the past three or four years, they haven't been back at all. Right. right. They, they, so they we got rid of the there's raccoons. A, there's a crazy Italian there with a car that will try to run them over. <laughs> Although I wouldn't of, run them over, but I scared them. Got rid of the raccoons in the attic. Got rid of the, the Canadian geese. Mm-hmm. Now there's a fox out there. Or, there's a, or a coyote. A coyote. Yeah. Well, actually, I wonder if it looks like the one on in the cartoons. It was carrying a big box that said Acme on it. Yeah, yeah I'll be on the lookout for that. That <laughs> skyrocket's coming at it. One of, those big, one of those big thousand thousand ton weight. Actually, the, the anvil. Yeah, the anvil. The oh. anvil. <laughs> Although now we did, of course, in in uh, in Arizona mm. at night we would hear them. They they howl. Oh, Ooh. Yeah. And I did see one during the day, and it, it looks like a wolf, but smaller, the coyote. And what did you do? I just kind of stood there and looked at it. Now, it, it I couldn't tell. It, it was near a house, and, and there was some fencing, and I couldn't quite tell because his coloring was much like the coloring of the fence. I said, is he behind the fence? Is he next to the fence? Mm. Is he in front of the fence? And I just stood very, very still. And we had sort of a staring contest because I'm thinking, now what do I do? Mm. And I just slowly, you know, walked away and started praying. <laughs> and it never did anything else. And I turned around and looked and then didn't see it. So. I read, now there was, because we did see, there there are coyotes in New Jersey. I think it was Fairfield mm. where a mother was walking her baby mm. and uh, in the stroller. And someone yelled out to her, there's a coyote following you. Oh, the coyote was behind the mother, and then when the mother turned around, the coyote lunged at her, and they they go for your legs because they try to take you down. Huh. So they he the coyote bit the mother on the leg, and then knocked over the stroller. And they said, and then then it, the mother I guess stood up and yelled and screamed, and then the thing but ran it, away. So that's the you're supposed to just wave wave your make yourself look bigger, wave your put your hands out and start yelling, and just like a bear. Mm-hmm. We said that about the bear, right? To raise your arms over your head and start waving them wildly and just to make yourself appear like a larger being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm big now. <laughs> yeah, but you're supposed to like kind of – with bear, you're supposed to kind of back away. Just don't kind of run. Slowly, yeah, just slowly back away. And don't toss them food and because they'll come after food. you looking for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, We're when I saw it, I was walking a trail. You had some things to do up there in North Jersey, mm. and I, you know, find my local trail – and started hiking, and then I saw a couple of signs. One that says bear were commonly seen in the area, and they gave you all the things what to do if you did confront one or one crossed your path. And then the other one was some sort of copperhead and rattlesnake. I thought, in North Jersey? That's when I decided to turn around and take up 
running. Mm. <laughs> Boy, I got out of there so fast. It was Aren't like copperheads, are they the ones? Oh, no. What's the ones in the water? Water, water moccasins. Water moccasins. But copperheads are poisonous snakes. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not much for an outdoorsman. <laughs> no. I know rattlesnakes. Remember, we went to see the, our, our dear sisters, our nuns out there in, uh, in the desert there, the desert yes. nuns. There are signs all over their property, be, you know, stay on the path, beware of rattlesnakes. Right. They're in the middle, they're at the middle of the Sonoran Deadly. Desert. Didn't somebody get, one of the sisters get bit by one? Oh, really? I think so. Oh, yeah? Then you have to, you have to cut an X there and suck the venom out. Like the old cowboy <laughs> movies, they did that. You ever see that? We better start watching National. They would Geographic. cut if you got bit. If they got bit by a rattlesnake, they would make an X with the with knife. the pocket knife and yeah. then suck the venom out. I'd rather just <laughs> stay in a holiday try to <laughs> avoid them at all costs. Because <laughs> we were saying, because we were up in the Poconos last weekend, and, and yeah. people would camp. And I'm not a camper. You camp when you were growing up. My my right. family never really camped. Um, my mother's heels didn't go well in the mud. No. <laughs> they fit well on the Marriott. That's though. right. The Marriott, they were fine. But um, um, we think people who camp up there, if these the, these bears are around, oh, sure. wouldn't that Snake be something you'd be afraid of? Snakes? Wouldn't you be afraid of that? Right. Although our friend Father woods. Richard, remember Father Richard, God rest his soul, who was a, yes. from Kenya, and the beautiful thing he tells beautiful would tell beautiful stories about how he and a fellow priest, they would go in pairs mm-hmm. from village to village to say walking, mass, right. walking through the jungle. Right. And at night, they would make a fire and keep the fire going all night to keep the, the wild animals away. Exactly. He the the lions and the, <laughs> everything else that's out there. Stories about the In the wild. forest in Kenya. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and they would walk, and his big thing was he wanted a car. Mm-hmm. He was trying to raise money to buy a car so they could drive from village to village, although I guess there are no... It must be dirt roads, no, no, yeah. no uh, interstates there. In exactly. Kenya. <laughs> he was really in the uh, the outer lying areas. Mm. Yeah, the, Not the, like the Maasai, the, the Maasai, yeah. the Maasai. He wasn't tribe in Nairobi, which is a city. Right, but he was out there, and they would and they would have the mass in the village would be under a, a big shade tree. Right, you know, and they it would last that? all day. Mm. The people were so happy to, to have, have the priests come and have mass, and they would have meals and and festives. And the and the, know, the, this is a great and the, and the offertory the, the, he would say the offertory would be, you know we pass around the basket and get your envelopes but in in Kenya in these small villages in Kenya, the offertory would be they would bring to the priest to the altar under the shade tree, foodstuffs like mm-hmm. bread and and vegetables and fruit. things from their garden or a so chicken that, or that would be their sustenance on their journey to the next village that's yes. how they would eat. Yeah. For the next, what a great thing! Oh my gosh! You know, here we are complaining. I got to put an envelope and write a check, put it in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> and here we're 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 feeding the pre in Kenya. They're feeding the priests to, to help them be sustained on their journey, on their journey to, to the, the next, next village. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have it too good here, and you know, we're mm-hmm. complaining about it. even now we have it too good, even in the pandemic compared mm-hmm. to that. And they're just so happy to have the, the priests come and so happy to have the masses being offered. And here we think, gee, what, what if we lose power? They're having mass outside in the, under a tree. Under a tree. And the people would walk for miles yeah. from the surrounding villages. Yep, yep, yep. And, they would, and, they, and just for the two priests to be on their own to walk through the jungle. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Th- I remember he said they, they, would, they, would, they would eat rabbits. Yeah. They would have the spear and they would and mm-hmm. get the rabbit. Well, they grew up knowing how to mm-hmm. live in the wild. That's how they yeah. would. So those are, talk about rugged priests. And, and, it. <laughs> right? Yeah. And these guys, and they would just, you know, they would just, uh, and he was such a happy, joyful priest. I know. Joyful priest.
and the people there. I mean, we mm. know people that not too long ago visited. Now, maybe it was Uganda. It was uh, Ghana. Was it Ghana? No, or Uganda. You're right. Uganda. Uganda, yeah. And she said the people have literally nothing with these lean-to type huts and dirt floors, which they would sweep and keep clean. Mm. And they just have nothing. And they were the happiest people. And they would praise and sing for hours. Because they had nothing to distract them. They had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. Nothing to, you know, nothing that they, they, possessions meant nothing other than a roof over your head. Father Richard came. We probably have a lot of listeners who don't remember. I oh, mean, this no, is a this was years, back. years ago. He's, I think he passed away almost 15 years ago. Yeah, and he came And he was to young. He was 42 when he died. All right. Right. But he came to study. Um, radio. Radio. Yeah, he wanted to bring radio, Catholic radio to Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> so he would come. A couple summers he came, and he stayed mm. in the local rectory, and we would... I remember he, he had me taken to the Statue of Liberty. He wanted to see the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And he had to go to Ground Zero. Yes. He had to go to Ground Zero, and he, and he you know, at that time, this is just a year or two after uh, the tragedy, mm-hmm. um, but they had all the names of all the people who perished in the World Trade Center, and they probably still do. I haven't been to them. Absolutely right. But at that time, it was just on one wall, and he yeah. was had his hands behind his back, and he was going down every column. Reading And everything. he said, I'm looking to find the Kenyans. Yes. He was looking for the Kenyan, and then he would see... Very interesting. We'd be in New York, in Manhattan. And remember, I took him to St. Patrick's, and we went over to Rockefeller Center. We sat down for a little rest. And he said, I cannot believe my feet are touching Manhattan. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was wonderful. But then he said he would see um, uh, black individuals you mm-hmm. know, walking, and he would say, that person is of Kenyan uh, ancestry. I right. said, how do you know? I could tell by the way they walk, he right. said. Right, right. He would tell us that that particular person has ancestors yeah. or came from Kenya. Yeah. Well, his senses were so sharp. Yeah. And then our children at the time were maybe middle school, right? Elementary, middle mm-hmm. school. This is a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they might have had that little Game Boy or those handheld electronic right. things. This is even before cell phones. But they'd have these little electronic games. And he said, if you come to my village, they would think you were a wizard. <laughs> like right. they would almost be frightened by it because they don't see things right. like that. It right. was Oh, the, our children enjoyed him so much. And he was, and he was, and I remember I took him. Father Groeschel was, I mean, he was giving some kind of retreat right over here at St. Joe the Worker in in Falsington, mm-hmm. one Wednesday night. And I said to Father Richard, I said, "You want to go see Father Groeschel?" Oh, I'd love to. And so we went. And um, Father Groeschel, God bless him, because he, as I was walking in, I said hello, and he said, "Hi, Jim, how you doing?" And he was up there giving, he started retreating. He said, "I want to welcome Jim Manfredonia, who's doing great work in Catholic radio." He gave us a great plug. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I know Father Richard went to confession to him, oh. and he was so happy because I was so happy to have get to confession to Father Groeschel because mm. he knew him from EWTN, obviously. Yes. But he was just so th- uh, so thrilled to, to be in this country. He studied in Rome. I mean, he mm-hmm. spoke fluent Italian. Mm. And other languages, too, if I'm not mistaken. If I remember, he spoke other languages, but he spoke English very well. English very well, yeah. And his yeah. his native language was Swahili, I mm-hmm. believe. Um but uh, he did. He had a he had a heart defect, and I remember I got a, a an email from a friend of his in Kenya, saying our father Richard passed away last yeah. night. I was so sad, yeah, because he was just so full of life and so you know mm. so joyful. I he, know, and he loved. Uh, he would. We take him out to eat. Remember, he said, <laughs> "I have to fill my big American stomach now." Yeah. He, he, he couldn't believe all the food. If you went to a, a restaurant, all the food they brought you. Right, right. And he would order warm milk. I mean, we'd have just interesting. Yeah, things, yeah. You know. It was just a, and a beautiful man. And, and he, he said, "In his country, you go somewhere and you, and you're going to get some chicken, 
they they bring you the head of right. the chicken to show you the head. To show you that it's really a chicken that you're eating. Yeah, and that it was fresh. Right. So he said, what if I ask the waitress, you know, to, to see bring the me the head of the chicken. <laughs> May I see the head of the chicken, please? <laughs> we had more fun with him and more laughs. He but was, he was his eye, We were seeing our world through different eyes. Right, and seeing the church in that part of the country, in that part of the world, was just such mm. a unique thing when he would tell us stories. I like the stories we told about him yeah. saying mass village to village and, and the offertory and the joy and the song and the and the you know nobody complained that mass was all day. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, imagine mm-hmm. that. No, they sadly. embraced it. Right. They they, they couldn't. It. They didn't want it to end. Is basically what was right. the situation. And to hear those stories and to see the church in a whole different light. You know, we're so used to the Western American church. Yes. Uh, so to speak, and compare that to the uh, to the church in Africa in this part mm-hmm. of Africa. It was just a beautiful thing. Um, so I know I know he prays for us because he was so interested in Catholic radio and it, he we knew him. This was in the very beginning of our work. Yes. And I think we had a little station over in Shrewsbury. He came over there. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so, years back. Mm. So, so God we rest pray his for soul. Him. So uh-huh. we must. Maybe he. I don't know. I forget when he passed away, but I don't know what brought him to mind. But uh, every time that yes. happens, it always like saying that prayer for Father Richard, and I'm sure he's mm-hmm. praying for us. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. We're going to come back, and uh, Frank Cronin is going to join us. His book is called "The World According to God." So, friends, you stay where you are. There's more to come on Friday Live.
Welcome back, friends. Thanks for being with us today on this lovely Feast of St. Augustine. Uh, as a reverted Roman Catholic, Frank Cronin thought and lived as an existential atheist, a deist, and an evangelical Protestant before returning to the One True Church back in 2007. While his faith in Jesus Christ is 25 years old, his return to the Catholic Church completed his search for the God of the Scriptures and, the history, uh, and of history and gave him a new and vast treasury of knowledge and spirituality to explore and to share. Uh, his new book is called The World According to God, and we want to welcome to the program Frank Cronin. Welcome, Frank. Hi. Hey, good. Great to have you here. Hi. Thank you so much for being with us, and, of course, welcome to the Catholic Church. When was it you became a Catholic? Uh, kind of like midway through uh, 2007, so it's been 13 years. Okay, all right. All right, and we understand that uh, when you decided to do this, that many of your friends challenged you. Tell us a little bit about that and what they were claiming. Well, it's, it, it, it isn't so much they were against the Catholic Church or even against religion. The problem was is they saw it as really a matter of my preference. You know, okay, you're becoming Catholic, you're a, you're a Protestant now, and for my Protestant friends, they saw it as kind of Flipping into darkness, and uh, and for my secular friends, uh, they just thought it was just another opinion, and they had a real, a real lot of trouble adjusting to the fact that I was telling them I wasn't becoming a Catholic because I wanted to be or I was dissatisfied. I was becoming Catholic because the Catholics were right. They have the rightest approach to God. They have the rightest approach to dogma and doctrine, and that really really through them, because most of us in the modern world believe in a relativistic view of things, that it's more about your opinion than facts, because the only facts we really have to work with in life are scientific, physical ones, which is just totally not true and is really irrational. So mm -hmm. uh, so that was their difficulty with my my uh, change in, in uh, the church I was attending. And so is this, is this how the book began, Frank? Was this all part you drew back on those experiences to begin the book? What was, what was the impetus behind you writing The World According to God? Well, I was quite content to just be, uh, just be a Catholic, but about a year, year and a half after I became a Catholic, my parish priest asked me uh, to run RC, RCIA for the parish, and, um, and he didn't have any textbooks, and they didn't come until December, so... I was kind of uh, winging it on my own, and uh, a big part of that was kind of doing some, I guess, broad-based apologetics work, explaining to people what the faith is, why it can be true, how we can even find truth about things that are not physical. And, and uh, so I was teaching that to the class throughout the whole year, and uh, because Father knew I was a revert, uh, he would show up pretty much every week to make sure I was keeping the, the thing going between the lines of what Catholic orthodoxy was. And uh, after a while, a lot of what I was teaching started showing up in his homilies. And um, we did the whole year, and it was one of the things that people kept, they were more, they seemed almost more interested in this worldview, logic, natural theology thing that I was doing than 
than even some of the basics in the in, on the faith because they can take the textbook home and just read it. Um, and so we, what I decided to do that summer in between years was to create like a little 10 or 15-page pamphlet, bulleted pamphlet, so they would have an orientation for that. And, uh, and a couple of years later, it just seemed like I ought to write this down in fullness because you can't, uh, you know, there's people need to be able to read through this. It's just bullets only work when I'm actually in the room talking to people. So for somebody who is, if I'm not going to be in the class, they really needed it written out. So that's that's really the genesis of the book. Mm-hmm. Now, you discuss among the topics you explore, for instance, knowledge, how we can know for certain the right answers about life and living. I mean, that sounds like a pretty heavy topic in and of itself. But you, you take the you make it a, a lighter um, uh, road to look further into that. I mean, how, how who is this? Is this really a heavy type of, of book for people or is it going to be something easy to read? Well, I think it's very accessible, um, and this is one of the great things about my wife, one of the many great things. Uh, when I get done writing it, uh, she she screens it and lets me know how effectively I'm communicating it And uh, because she looks at herself as kind of the average reader, average intellectual. Um, I don't think she is that, but that's the way she mm-hmm. sees it. And she has, I, I think she has a better handle on how people get it. So it's it's really not it's it's theology, but it, and apologetics, but it's not super heady, and the pace is is reasonably slow. There's I think a, a very accessible literary style to it, and examples. And uh, I think one of the things that I didn't do in the book, and I think it was it was really wise, was to not get too much into the details. But if you stay on the basic core, you know, choices that we all face, and the basic the really basic options are available for answers to those kind of questions. It, it isn't very confusing at all. Mm-hmm. I think also, Frank, one of the topics you do address um, are, are miracles. And I think people in general have a hard time, you know, because they want the science, they want the facts, they want hard mm-hmm. 3D proof of things. And we all know that miracles happen and, and they can only be performed by God. Um, how how do you discuss that that might, you know, be explainable to people that say, oh, that was just a coincidence? Well, I, I mean, there's a couple of ways. How I handled it in the book is the miracles is one of the later chapters. I think early on, I've, I addressed the, the whole notion of, and this is really us, the Western civilization, this side of the Enlightenment, of we've come to believe that the only way we can know anything really true is if it's scientifically corroborated. And and while that's true when it comes to physical things, it's not true when it comes to intangible things or logical things. And we've lost sight of our ability to reason, what they used to call natural theology, to know God and know about God by just the simple use of our reason and observation about things and knowing how things work logically. Uh, I guess a simple example would be when we get down to the Big Bang, okay? Uh, everybody believes pretty much that it, you know the universe started something like 14 billion years ago, um, and suddenly things just were there. It was a large explosion or just a scattering of, of um, matter and energy in, in, all of a sudden into time and space. Well, 
whatever got banged had to be banged by something that wasn't part of that bang. Yeah. There would have to be a cause before that effect. And Thomas Aquinas handled this in the 12th century. Um, if we go back in time and we look at, say, the Big Bang, well, what caused the Big Bang? And even scientists, current scientists, are out there investigating this, looking for what they call the God particle. When they find it, they're going to naturally, because they're scientists, they're mm -hmm. going to ask, well, what caused that particle? Mm -hmm. So sooner or later, you have to hit something that wasn't caused, that caused the effect that you first observed. And so that's a, that's a logical problem, not a scientific one. Mm -hmm. And that's why Thomas Aquinas has a variety of his proofs, which I think uh, the primary ones are five, and other people have 13 or 14 since then that prove God, that God exists and that he's a certain kind of God by just using logical deduction alone. Hmm. Uh, we're talking to Frank Cronin, and the book is called The World According to God. It's published by Sophia Institute Press, and their web address is sophiainstitute.com. Uh, Frank, uh, this is uh, I'm just curious about your background because you, uh, you, you are a revert, which means that you were Catholic and came back. Um, what, what, is your, what is your background? Well, I, uh, yeah, I guess I'm a technical revert, but I see whatever I came back to wasn't what I left when I was a 17-year-old you know, young man. Uh -huh. uh, so my background was, uh, I guess I was uh, went to Catholic schools through one year in college, from first grade to one year in college. Uh, somewhere along around 19 or 20, I realized, like, I mean, I wasn't from a strong Catholic family. I went to the Catholic schools like everyone seemed to in those days, but uh, my family was nominally Catholic. You know, we go to Mass maybe six times a year or whatever. Um, and so uh, for me, I became, I started doing a lot of reading, and I became a, a pretty deliberate atheist for about a decade and a half. Uh, and then uh, 10 days before I would get to get married to my my wife, uh, she announced that she was Christian. Well, that didn't go down real well with me. And uh, even on our wedding day, I said, look, if this God thing is, ends up being a big deal, I mean, you can have it. But if it's a big deal, I'm out of here in six months. Wow. And, uh, uh, and you know, we got married and uh, she she was a terrible apologist. Uh, you know, I would say, okay, how do you know that there's a God? The first question everyone pretty much always asks. And uh, she didn't have really good answers, but she's as solid a human being as I've ever met. And so I felt like, okay, I'll I'll start looking at this. And it took me about three years to kind of come to a point like, okay, I think there's a God. You know, I'm pretty solid on that. Mm -hmm. Who's this Jesus guy? You know, and I knew mm -hmm. from my Catholic background what the claim was. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know if that was true. So I spent another two and a half years figuring that out. And then and my wife and I, we started going to an evangelical church. And so I had the born-again experience, and I cruised along with that for a couple of years. And then I, I don't know what caused us to do this. We got very curious about two things. One was uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what, what what's that all about, because everybody talks about it, but no one ever explains it. Mm. Uh, and and the other was, if God can, wants to direct our life, what would that look like? Uh, you know, you can't read books about that. That's one you just have to kind of kind of walk out almost. And um, lo and behold, six months later, I'm at Protestant uh, Divinity School in Regent University in Virginia Beach, and then after that, Harvard and Columbia 
and uh, and then eventually when I became a Catholic, uh, Holy Apostles College in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, what a so journey. Was, was there a moment then, Frank, when, you know, we always talk about encountering Christ, encountering Jesus. Was there a moment in that journey that you had that was the defining moment, or was it just a gradual transition into that uh, encounter or understanding of the divinity of Jesus? Well, I think looking, looking at all of that, there's, uh, there's an understanding, but because understanding is only sort of information or a certain level of wisdom, um, I think one of the cool things that I, I found out or discovered was that um, knowing, we tend to think of knowing it or an encounter with Jesus, and I think those words are important that you make that distinction. You can know about Jesus. And and then you can encounter him. And so, what I would, what I have learned since then, doing Bible studies and research, is that um, that the real Hebrew way of knowing was was an experience. So you never just have knowledge of God; you're knowing Him. Like if I if I told you about my wife and let you look at her resume, you would know about her. Mm-hmm. But if you spent 10 minutes with her, you'd, you'd know her much better than the paper would. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so the, uh, the idea is is that, and, you know, as Catholics, we make a distinction between natural theology and, and revelation. Natural theology is a form of typical revelation as opposed to special revelation. So, so when you know about God, or you know about Jesus, like the question you're asking me, knowing about him is is him. And are there special moments or high points that? Absolutely. I can talk about the born-again experience for me. Uh, was just very powerful, and it seemed to be happening every six to eight weeks during a, a three-year period. So, uh, you know, we, were, we, Annie and I, were on a, a pretty steep learning curve and an experiential curve while we were doing uh, looking at those two questions about who the Holy Spirit is and how does God direct your life. I mean, uh, I already had a graduate degree. I didn't like graduate school at all. When I got serious about God, he, he put me together so that I got five more graduate degrees. <laughs> and I was pretty happy doing it. Yeah. Wow. We're talking with Frank Cronin. The World According to God is the name of the book published by Sophia Press, uh, and it's sophiainstitute.com is their website. Frank, who is the book for? Is it for people like you who are on that journey, or is it for people who have been cradle Catholics and want to delve into the uh, you know a deeper relationship with Jesus? I mean, who who's the book really written for? Well, I think it covers a lot of audiences. I think uh, I've had people when they knew about the book before it was published, they wanted to give it to relatives and friends uh, who uh, need to be evangelized. Uh, in fact, the, the publisher let me know that he had some pretty intimate uh, relationships uh, with people, and he was going to use the book for that very purpose. I think it also serves well for uh, RCIA uh, kind of settings. I think it serves well for uh, personal edification. And uh, a couple of people who've reviewed the book uh, said this would be great for seminary students. And what's cool about that is is they say because it's so accessible. Mm. It's not dense. It's not dry. It's it's very conversational and clear. So, Very good. All right. Well, Frank, we want to thank you for being here. Again, friends, Frank Cronin has been our guest. The book is called The World According to God. It's published by Sophia Institute Press. SophiaInstitute.com is their website. Congratulations on the book, Frank, and thank you for being thank our guest you. today. 
Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank God you bless. so much, Frank. I enjoyed hearing your story. God be with you. Same with you. Thank you. All right, friends, and you stay where you are. They'll be back. We'll be back in just a bit. Don't go away. <laughs> Want to work a virtual miracle for your church or charity? Here's something so brilliant yet so simple and meaningful, you have to check it out. It's an internet site called GoodShop.com. GoodShop.com has created a way that lets you support any charity of your choice, and it costs you nothing. The good news is 700 of the largest internet retailers, stores you already visit online, have teamed up with GoodShop.com to give back a percentage of every purchase you make to your favorite cause. Before you buy anything online, go Go to GoodShop.com, select the charity you care about most, and then click over to your favorite store. Shop as you normally would, pay nothing extra, and a donation will be made to your favorite charity. It's that easy. Visit GoodShop.com today and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity, and a portion of your Internet purchase will be donated to Domestic Church Media and enable us to continue to bring you outstanding Catholic radio. That's GoodShop.com, and designate Domestic Church Media as your favorite charity. GoodShop.com. We asked people all over America, what have you done for your marriage today? Boy, I gave a huge hug this morning, like a really big squeeze that lasted forever. Great kiss. Those things are really important. She got a really short haircut that she hated, and I wrote her a note and put it up on the mirror saying that she was a cute girl with cute hair. What have I done for my marriage today? We've actually organized a date night tonight. What have I done for my marriage today? Wow, that is a great question. Uh, I took the baby while she worked. I got up with the baby while he slept. Yeah. <laughs> Today, I sent an email to my husband, and I said, you rock. Well, I've done today what I usually do, and that is obey. I listened to my wife uh, when we talked on the telephone today. She really likes it when I listen. What have you done for your marriage today? Little things can make a big difference. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. I like that more the wife really likes it when he listens. Like he doesn't <laughs> listen sometimes. <laughs> I'd like to speak she with really them a little it. bit further. She really likes it when I listen. But sometimes Let's have them I on for an interview. <laughs> right? I mean, could you imagine if I mean if I said, well, yeah, but sometimes I don't really don't listen to her. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think you've accused me of that occasionally, maybe twice in the 35 years you've been married. In I'm 35 not listening. years. It'll be 35 years this December. December what? 28. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure because sometimes you don't know. Oh, I always know. Do you? Okay. You don't know. I know. <laughs> this is the Feast of the Holy Innocents. We oh got married goodness. on the How Feast of the you? Holy Innocents. How does somebody forget their anniversary date? I know. I never it's, have. It's always the 28th. It's always the 28th. <laughs> It's always right in the middle of Christmas week, which is great. We have many I know, celebrations, I know, many celebrations. Many which, from your mouth to God's ears, I hope that is the case this coming oh, year. Because Let December, it's, I mean, our son Anthony was born on the 1st. Right. Oh, it's such a big And then month. now Jack, his birthday's the 19th of December. Mm-hmm. Mine's and the Charlotte's 20th. just right before December no, she's 1st. The, yeah, mine's yeah. the 23rd. Jesus is the 25th. Your sister. My sister. Also the 28th. Our anniversary is the 28th. Mm-hmm. And then Joseph's the 4th of January. Yeah, it's a big I have a whole month full of, and hopefully, right, this year, who knows? Oh, my I goodness. I hope we can be in person. Because our little, our, little, our little grandchild is due on October 5th. I know. Our third. St. Faustina's Day. You want to just hold them. Now, let's see. It is going to be a boy. You can't call it Faustina. Faust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 
think so. Fes- Fester? Fester. Fester. <laughs> <laughs> Let's suggest that name to them. Fester. I- I'm sure like Uncle cons- Fester. Right? <laughs> I'm sure they'll consider it. I'm sure they would. <laughs> I'm sure they would know that. We haven't heard what the name might no, be. No, no. They're, they're pretty quiet and private about that. Yeah, they're like always that. very good about that. Yeah. Even even the, the sex of the baby, they weren't really... Not really sharing. Charlotte's build the beans, she told us. Yeah. <laughs> when I said to Joseph, we were having a FaceTime with Charlotte, and she we didn't even know she, Tori was pregnant. Right. Until Charlotte said... Uh, she was going to be the special girl. I'm going to be girl. the special girl. And we said, uh, uh, why? <laughs> the well, baby, when the baby comes. What baby? <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Fill us in here. And then, of course, then there, too, that it was a boy, so mm-hmm. they have... She has a, um, she'll have two younger brothers. Two little brothers, yeah. But she'll be the special girl. She'll be the special girl. But, you know, with the whole situation, the pandemic. I just want to hold those babies. Yeah, I know, it's rough. It's rough. It's tough. But it's been a while. I know. It's been I a while. Going through withdrawal of some type. It's grandparent a... withdrawal. Oh, yeah, it's got <laughs> Actually, I think isn't Grandparents' Day in September sometime? Yes, we have to make some kind of issue. About Although, this. yeah, well, you know what? I'm going to say I was going to say you get a Hallmark card, but no, no Hallmark cards. No, not with their new rainbow. Did movies. you hear? I don't know if the listeners or viewers knew that Hallmark has decided that some you know have the they have every year they have that 25 days of Christmas and they have those mm-hmm. you know, Hallmark cheesy Christmas movies. movies. Yeah. yeah. Now they're going to include as part of their movie. I don't know if it's the Christmas ones, but they have those made-for-TV movies, lesbian wedding. Is one of them. I mean, it's so all sorts of alternative themes. The hallmark. Done with that. Yep. And for me, I'm done. And that's with the only that. way. I got to tell you. You know what? I I called Major League Baseball today. <laughs> you did. I who, did. Who did you speak with? I some woman <laughs> who answered the phone and put me through to public relations, because yesterday. And look, I'm not. This isn't a political statement. I just think that 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 the national sports teams need to stay out of politics. Period. Mm-hmm. You know. When you go into that baseball stadium or football stadium, or you put it on, put the game on, you're there to escape from all of that. You're there for sports, and well, that's what they do, and their job, and they get paid for, and that's their livelihood and their love of their life. Well, last They're night, not politicians. last night, uh, the Mets and the Marlins, who were supposed to play each other, went on the field and then walked off because Ugh. of the situation in, in Wisconsin mm. and refused to play the game. Okay, you know what? Fine. You lost me. I'm a baseball fan all my life. Mm. You lost me. I'm, this season, as far as I'm concerned, it's going to be it's going to be flushed down now, the, here's the commode. Something. Again, not to to get into all this nitty gritty, but do, do they then not? I don't know how it works. Do they not get paid oh, for their game? That night, they get paid millions and millions and millions. But you I called what? Major League Baseball and I said just that. I said, you know, you're going to lose a lot of fans yeah. if you start getting political because when 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 you walk into a, a sports uh, um, game, there's two sides. Either the, you're rooting for the home team or the visitors. Oh, yeah. That's it. There's no other side. That's we don't it. care what happens behind that's the scenes. That's right. If you have, I don't. If you have, you have political feelings one way or another. Fine. That's your personal right. But don't bring it into the into sports the arena. Yeah. All right. On that so, note, <laughs> there he, he just stepped off his platform, and we're going to tune out for the weekend. All right. Have a great weekend, and I uh, will. Be, oh, Bruce will be here Monday. Yes. At three o'clock. So be back for that, uh, and I'll see you then. God bless you. Stay well. Oh,